So what's Ashley Morland fighting for? Better audio quality. <laughs> A relentless pursuit. Hey guys, welcome to the Remind podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about what are you fighting for? And Dave, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today because I feel like we have some different ideas on it or some different perspectives Mm. on it. And I'm excited. This is going to be super raw, super real, completely unscripted. But exploring what our different ideas are on this concept. Everyone is fighting for something. Mm. Everyone is fighting for something. And what we think we're fighting for or what we want to fight for are very, very different to the reality of what our actions and behaviours demonstrate we're fighting for. So this is a conversation today. We're going to be talking about people fight for different things. They fight to be right. They fight for power. They fight for perfection. They fight for control. They fight for justice. So let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So fighting, you know, when you sort of think, what are you fighting for? And you sort of think of the legions of people with shields up and swords going and, you know, barraging down the valley, meeting likewise people doing the opposite side. We're not talking about that kind of fighting, but it's what it, what is it you put the most effort into, I think, is, is, is that. Because, and I think we started talking about this just before we hit the record button, and I was coming at it from a slightly different angle to where you were. So we had to hit the record button so we didn't lose any of what we we're talking about. But when you're fighting for something, it's what do you focus most of your energy on? As opposed to, we're not talking about literally take out a weapon and literally kill or maim the thing that you're trying to do. It's what are you focusing on? So in my mind, there's two categories. There's what you fight for, which is we're going to put it more aspirational, which is it's something that I would like to fight for versus what are you fighting with? And when you're fighting with something, I believe it's normally something that is connected with a trauma or a limiting belief that's in the way of what your aspirational. Ah, so... I think it just dropped me. So it's about what are you fighting with in terms what is your weapon that you're bringing to the fight? And your well, weapon, it's weaponizing your past experiences or weaponizing past hurts or past... Or, or working your way through. So when people heal, it's not a clean, nice, soft, loving process. You don't feel it that way. You feel it afterwards. You have moments of it. But during the healing time, it's raw, it's crap, it's heartbreaking, yeah. it's debilitating, it's really f- selling it, right, <laughs> guys? So, so I help people heal, <laughs> and if you want to feel all these things, but but you know what I mean. And so when you're going through the healing process, unless you really want to heal you're going to have to bring some grit. You're going to have to bring some determination. You're going to have to bring some hope, some belief, and all of these things because what you're fighting with is all of those patterns, all of those beliefs, all of that trauma that's in between you and actually at the end goal what you're fighting for. So it's the journey, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to get to the place where you feel really healed, really joyful, really calm, really happy yet you're someone who constantly feels validation only in the logic well you're going to have to get you have to fight with being right all the time or having to justify yourself that way so it's these kind of steps towards that aspirational what are you fighting for so i could i could be fighting with perfectionism i could be fighting with having to be right i could be fighting with injustice because i'm fighting to heal because I'm fighting to find peace, because right. I'm wanting to do that. So it's that, you know, do you ever find true peace and happiness? Probably not, not in, you know, this form, this lifetime. Really? But, well, not, not, not completely, because that's part of the journey here. Like, 
I believe it's all about the journey. You always, you're going to have greater moments of peace. You're going to have greater moments of feeling great. But it's usually going to be that up and down roller coaster. It's like if anyone's been on a roller coaster, put your hand up if you enjoy the ones that just go flat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that was a great ride, wasn't it? No, I want to go down. I want to go up and over and I want to go in all these different bits. So I feel as though you can really enjoy yourself but that's what I kind of see what you're fighting with to get to what you're fighting for, which you, you're basically doing at the same time. It's just not a linear process of I can only be fighting for peace. Well, how do I get to my peace? Well, I've got to go and navigate and do these little battles to win the war. Yes. Okay. So we are on the same path. My perspective was coming from Something I see a lot are people who desire peace. Peace is probably peace. Oh, I want to feel peace because I work with a lot of people with anxiety, with the thing with nervous system dysregulation is there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of control stuff. There's a lot of dysregulation in terms of physical manifestations. People want to feel calm. Mm. People want to feel peace. People want to feel joy and love and connection but at an unconscious level because of their wounding, because of their past experiences, because of their hurt, they are stuck in fighting for something else. They will mm. forego their peace in order to fight to be right. They will forego their joy in order to fight for perfection. Mm. They will forego their love in order to fight for justice, right? So I think we're saying the same thing, except I'm coming from the angle of these people are unconsciously choosing to fight for this thing, to Mm. fight for being right, to fight for power, to fight for all those things I mentioned, which is taking them away from their goal of peace. Yeah, well, look, we're... we're, we're, we're we're very, we're very similar. Yeah. I, I think at the core of what I'm sort of saying is deep down, whether they are focusing their effort on the main goal, nobody wakes up going, gee, I hope I'm miserable today. Yeah, exactly. Gee, I hope I feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Gee, if I, if I could just get one more panic attack in today, that would be awesome. Not at a conscious level. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so I think I think you know that, that sort of level. that aspirational level is what I sort of say is yeah. what people want to fight for. Yeah. But it's what they're fighting with, against, which is not fighting which, against. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm fighting with that on my way to that point. Now, whether they get stuck in that consistently and they only focus on now you can fight with it to heal it, or you could fight with it and just go nowhere right? Just tap, 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 tap. You, you, you're smashing swords with it, but you're not really interested in healing it. You're mm-hmm. just trying to keep it at bay, right? The, the, there's two war fronts and you just, you just bunk it in and you're just happy to keep it at that level. You're still fighting with it, but you're not doing it. Yeah. You're not advancing towards it. And some people are very happy just to sit and bunker in yeah. because the fear of going through the healing, which is going to be well, it's going to be in the short term, it'll actually end up being you, you'll feel worse, you'll feel unsettled, you'd feel all of those things because you're, you're used to bunkering in. You're feeling like it's easier for me to fight with the logic, the fight with the winning, and to just get the satisfaction of the win than it is to actually unpack why it is that I need to win. Mm. And also it brings about threat, right? Exactly what you're saying about unpacking why I need to win because it might have felt you might have had an experience in your past where you it was unsafe for you to lose. Mm. Winning gave you significance. It gave you connection. It gave you validation. It might be you want justice because in injustice you feel unsafe. So you have this strong compulsive desire for justice. In some situations, that's out of your control. Or it's you, just not fair. You know, yeah. and, you know, you've just dealt with why does that person get that? Why does that person yes. why why am I being left out? Why am I being pointed at? Jeez, yep. does this sound familiar to me? Mm. Yeah. That was, that, was an, that was an ugly one to unpack. But <laughs> um, absolutely. And, 
and being and being right, well, again, something that's very close to home with me. When you have no connection with yourself or emotion, the only connection you have is with law, logic, and being right or wrong, and being in in that play area because you're not comfortable enough to be vulnerable, to deep in, to dive into the emotion, to go whether I'm right or wrong is indifference. How I feel about it is how they feel about it. Yeah. And if I'm disconnected from that, the only thing I've got is supposed truth, yeah. right, wrong. Yeah. What I love is that point. By the law? Mm, I love that point because there is a, almost like an over-identification with your belief or your perspective or your experience. And so if someone else says that experience is wrong, then you are wrong because you are your experience. I heard yeah. something um, <clears throat> There is a guy called Shane Willard, and I, I just love his work. He's a, he's a pastor, but he's a, a psychologist as well. He's trained, he's got a master's in psychology, and a lot of his focus is around relationships. So I really love following his work. And he put forward an argument in one of his podcast episodes that blew me away. And he was like, okay, people are ridiculous in how they fight and what they, they're always trying to convince the other person because if someone has a difference, then they're a threat. So we, we mm. have an innate desire to want to convince or convert someone into our way of thinking or being so that then we can be safe. But he said, imagine this scenario. Imagine a Christian and a Muslim arguing with each other, giving their best efforts to convince each other that their belief is right. And both of them were so convincing in their argument that at the exact same time, they both switched. The Christian became Muslim and the Muslim became Christian. Are they... Just repeat the same process again. (laughs) Did anyone actually win? Was there any life giving there? Are we any closer to better understanding? I would actually say both of them. Both of them won. But how? Because, because there's been no growth. Like neither, They're in the same position. They're just standing on different sides of the argument. But that's, a, that's okay because now we're looking at, you know, is there a balance in numbers with the religion? If they found, if they both found something that really spoke to them and then from that they were able to expose, you know, the, the any Dave, dogma. You're right? taking this somewhere that the, the analogy is not meant to go. We're talking about <laughs> fighting to be right, okay? So, right, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so yes, if they experience some incredible experience in this different religion yeah. that changed their life and that's life-giving. Okay, awesome, cool. Different, different thing, okay? Gotcha. <laughs> I could use an analogy of a six and a nine. If one person's standing on yeah. one direction, it's a six. The other person, it's a nine. If they put forward such a good argument that at precisely the same time the person who saw a six saw a nine and the person who saw a nine saw a six they're no closer to reconciliation they're still I believe they both won because if someone's able to (laughs) they are still just as far apart in terms of their closeness their ability to relate and connect and all those things and so that that painted a really strong picture for me because it's like oh my gosh so many people myself in a lot of ways included fought to be right without any understanding of how does that serve me other than feeding my need to be right. And yeah. so that's all the analogy was supposed, supposed to fine. portray. I took, I, I took it to a, to a place where we didn't need to. So, <laughs> so I, I was going to do it a really... second time just for I know, that's hilarious. But <laughs> I thought that was so powerful. Like the imagery of that mm. was so powerful. And another well, thing. Well, actually, actually, just on that analogy, right, there's a bee and a fly. Yeah. And a bee is sitting there trying to convince a fly that honey is better than poo. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just a whole thing. Like, and some people would look at that analogy and go, well, the bee's clearly got the upper hand because honey's always better than poo. But is it? What does a fly need it for? Like it's just all of these things. It's a it's a yes. it's a perception of what is the value that you're placing on your belief or the information versus the other person's as opposed to we can both be correct, we can both be okay. Exactly. And that's my point is by by fighting to be right or fighting for being right, 
we have completely bypassed peace, acceptance, Mm. love. We've bypassed everything else that we say we want. And so does it matter to the bee if the fly still loves poo? Well, it shouldn't. But yet the bee might still argue its point to try and convert the fly to come and love honey. And so what what as humans we've done, and gosh, didn't COVID do this? Didn't COVID bring out the worst in people where you've got one camp and the other camp and the world and media and all of this stuff, Mm. the world influences what we fight for. Look at how many people were um, estranged from their families, kicked out of their workplaces, absolutely vilified for their personal decisions that they made around their own health. And it's that division and fighting that their perspective is the only perspective that's right. And unless you are willing to view my perspective as my version of right, that's the real right, then you're wrong and you're out. And that is so damaging to society. It's damaging to connection, to peace, to love, to joy, to presence, to all those things we say we want. Well, I mean, is, is there a possibility for both people to be right? Exactly. And for those people that say no... Why? Yeah. Because you... it's sort of like there's there's this need to sort of go, no, you can't be right because only there's only one truth in all of this. Well, actually, there's many different truths. And you can reframe any situation with the introduction of more information. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Because, you know, for people that say anti-vax versus vax, well, if you took the anti-vax and applied it to like the 1600s and never changed it, boy, the world would be a different place. Wouldn't it? Absolutely. And mm. I I use this analogy myself because if I, my son experienced an adverse reaction to his 12-month immunizations and mm. it drastically changed our lives. Within three days, it was like he was a shell he, he had regressed in every aspect of his development. His health had severely declined. He developed allergies mm. to so many things. All the foods that he'd eaten for the last year now were making him severely sick. And I didn't know any of this. All I knew was that my son, who was okay and then not okay within days of his vaccination, mm-hmm. he became really unwell. Now, for me, having the position through my own lived experience, I experienced emotions of of first of all, fear, and then anger. And then I felt shame because I had a PhD and I didn't even bother to do any of my own research on whether or not that was the right decision for him or whether or not that Mm. day was a safe day for him to be vaccinated or like I didn't do anything. I just took him to the doctor because he turned one and I got him vaccinated. That's that's what you do. That's what you've been told to do. And so I processed all these emotions. I had all these emotions coming up and I formed the belief that vaccinations are not safe for everyone. But now let's imagine another mum whose baby has died from whooping cough, which is Mm. supposedly a vaccine-preventable illness. Yes. That mum has had to experience emotions that I can't even begin Mm. to fathom. And she forms the belief that unless everyone is vaccinated, innocent babies like mine will die. Mm. Try and tell me who's wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I know we've sort of honed in on the right or wrong around this one particular topic, but they both need each other almost. You know, to have a you know, to have a right and a wrong, there needs to be two sides to it. Yeah, like the 6 and 9, absolutely. It's yeah. duality. That's so we are humans living in a physical world where duality exists. In order Mm -hmm. for us to know hot, we have to know cold. In order for us to know fast, we have to know slow. In order for us to know happy, we have to know sad. So duality as a concept is real. Hmm. But as souls, there's only love. And so if we drop into, if we we drop out of our human reality and the, the worldly viewpoints and the worldly perspectives of duality, and drop into soul where love and acceptance and peace, I mean, the fruits of the spirit, peace, love, joy, patience, acceptance, all these mm. things, right? We all want that experience of life. And in order to gain that experience of life, we have to drop the the patterns of the world. We have to be able to 
see past the duality and right and wrong and offensiveness and being Mm. triggered and things like that to be able to drop into our states of peace and love and joy and, and those kinds of things. And something as I'm speaking, the other thing that's coming up for me is um, what are we fighting from? And this is a spiritual concept as well. So from the position of soul, we already have everything. And so if the if the battle's already won, okay, so from a biblical perspective, there's something I really love is this concept of um, the full armour of God. And it says put on the full armour of God. And historically the helmet is actually a helmet of success. Like you've already won the battle. It's like a celebratory helmet. And so you the helmet represents that you've already won the battle. So you're not putting on the armour of God to fight the battle. The armour of God is from the standpoint that the battle's already won. You need to protect and defend to come into agreement to what's already yours. Ah, yes. Okay. Does that make sense? So there's this mindset energetically. If I'm fighting for peace, it means I don't have peace. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm in lack of peace. If I'm fighting for love, it means I don't have love. If I'm fighting for a better relationship, it means I don't have a healthy relationship. How- okay, so let's let's take that for, yep. for a moment and then let's just explore that a bit more mm-hmm. because if someone sort of says, I really want to find peace in my life, I'm yep. fighting for, for peace in my life. Okay, I don't have it clearly because I'm, I am aspiring to, to get it. Yeah. And now the fact that I'm aspiring to get it and I'm fighting for it means I don't have it. Is that necessarily a bad thing or is that part of the journey to get to find it or is it something that's counterintuitive? It's a leading thing. It's a guiding thing. So if I'm fighting for peace and I'm that's because I feel like I don't have peace, my belief is mm-hmm. I don't have peace so I need to fight to get it. So that mm-hmm. means there's going to be a whole lot of battles of fighting with all these other things, like you mentioned. The way that we set boundaries, the way that we respond and react to things, the things we say yes to, the things we say no to, the battles that we have in our day-to-day life will be very different to if we engage the mindset of the promise of peace is already mine, I just need to step into it. How would I respond differently? Okay, if I'm fighting for peace, I might not set a boundary or I might still have people-pleasing behaviours or all these things that come about because of my wounding. If I'm fighting from peace, I would set that boundary because I'm protecting and defending my peace. I would say no to the thing that I want to say no to because I'm protecting and defending the peace that I already have. Mm -hmm. From a spiritual promise perspective, it doesn't mean to say that I'm living peace every second of the day and I'm experiencing that. It's about the promise of peace is already mine and I already have that promise. It's up to me to step into that promise and live Mm -hmm. my life from peace, even if I'm not experiencing it. Does that make sense? It does. And I think when it it comes to the difference between fighting and protecting and what would you say? Protect and defend. and, 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 And defend. They're both things that require action. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's not sort of something that, if, you know, to be able to come to say I have peace and to sort of just flip the switch and go, well, I have peace, so therefore I'm going to sit on my couch and just meditate. Well, no, you still have to set boundaries. You still have it, to it requires go, go through, yeah, you still yeah. you still have to go through all of the, the process to protect and defend. It's just coming from, I suppose, a different mindset of, I'm doing this to protect the peace that I've got. I'm not afraid of doing that mm-hmm. versus I have to do all these things. I have to people please that person. I have to not set a boundary. And I'm and while I'm doing that, gee, I really I really wish my life would become more peaceful. It's almost like your life will become peaceful when everything externally settles down and you're waiting for that. Yes. As opposed to you being part of the process. Yes. You're waiting for people to stop using you. You're waiting for people to Mm. start honouring you. You're waiting for people to be honest. You're waiting for people to be gentle and loving and kind and show up in all the right ways. 
in order for you to then have the peace. However, mm-hmm. if you were coming from the standpoint that from a spiritual promise perspective, peace is already yours. It's You already have it in your possession, even if you're not feeling it. Guess what you start doing? You set the boundary, which means no, you can't use me. Another way that I look at this is I imagine that all of these things that I want are like um, in a safe mm-hmm. and they're locked under lock and key. My peace, my love, my joy, my patience, my tenderness, gentleness, all of these things are in my possession and they're in a safe. Mm-hmm. What are the things that are coming into my house trying to steal it? It's people ask, people you know, pushing me for things. It's people not, let's say, not responding to text messages. It's people who are this, this, and that's going to be different for everyone. That list will be different for every every person. What are the things in your life that come and steal, kill, and destroy the peace that's already yours, the promise Mm. of peace that you already have in your possession, regardless of whether you're feeling it? Because when you can start to identify what is that thing, what is the list externally that's stealing, killing, and destroying that, then you're empowered to do something about it because a whole lot of those things you can set a boundary. You can remove from your life. You can do whatever you need to do. But until you know what that is, you can't achieve it. And I think for me personally anyway, peace isn't about something which is always tranquil, quiet and still. Mm-mm. Peace is being in the, you know, in the middle of the busiest highway I'm talking metaphorically, people. I don't walk in the middle of a busy highway. <laughs> and you feel calm. You feel okay. You you have no problem with the car zipping past you, again, metaphorically speaking. It's okay because it that chaos is their chaos. Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't judge them for having their chaos. You're okay with it. There is a there's acceptance that comes with all of that. And you're just okay with it. So peace doesn't mean always still tranquil, you know, serenity. Yeah. That's a great thing that you still get it. Everything around you still ha- still happens. People around you still happen. It's how you get into that mindset. And the first thing, and like what you're saying, Ash, is you set boundaries because you sort of say, my peace is here. Yeah. What's what's coming for it? Well, that person asking for for that. Well, once you set the boundary, it's still not going to stop other people from asking. It's yeah. you get to you get to a healed point where when someone asks you, you say, "Thanks for thinking of me, but I I can't do it." Yeah, and and yeah, you and exactly. you and you say that, and you're okay with it. Yeah, as opposed to they've asked again. When yeah. will people stop asking? <laughs> oh my God, how much? Yeah. Exactly, and so this is what I say to people: if you imagine that you had, if I just want you to imagine that you're feeling peace Mm. and someone came and tried to disrupt that peace, what would that version of you that felt that, how would they respond? What would they say? Because how you show up, how you choose to respond, what decisions you make, that completely changes when you make those decisions from the version of you that already has the thing. Mm. And so this is where we start to see that we are an active participant in all of this. We are a co-creator of all of this. The potential is already there. And something that um, I see a lot, and I've had to navigate this, I'm still, I, it's, I, it's an active verb. I am navigating this in my own life, ongoing, is f- experiencing, like not fighting to know to stop fighting to have all the answers or to stop fighting to understand everything. Because God, that's I, a hard one though, isn't uh, it? Isn't it? When, when we're all equipped with this grey matter between our ears yeah. called a brain. The, the flesh version of us has a mm. brain that seeks to understand, that seeks to want to know. And so for me, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. So that that's not possible. And again, I've got mm. eyes to see. I've got ears to hear. But while ever I'm only focusing on the physical realm of the world and only allowing my eyes to see what's in front of me with logic and reasoning and rationality, then that is costing me 
peace. It's costing me love. It's costing me joy because sometimes we have to have faith in the unseen of this realm. Sometimes we have to have faith in the unheard of this realm in Mm. order to have the peace that we've been promised. And something because yeah, we've been taught the the complete opposite. Yeah, you know, our grandparents taught our parents taught us that it's you know I'll see it when I believe it. Yes. Like, sorry, I'll, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. I'll go the other way around. Yeah. As a, as opposed to well, what is belief? It's not factual. It's belief. What is yes. faith? Well, it can't it can't be proven in science. It's faith. What is hope? I mean, we have these words and we have these meanings because it actually does mean something. We've just used it as like, I don't know, aspirational, uplifting, stop feeling so crappy about yourself. That's when these words come out. Yeah. Um, or we're, we're trying to bring down our expectations. It's sort of like uh, plan for the worst, you know, you know hope, hope for the best, but plan for, for the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, We've been we've been taught that way, so we're having to do a one eighty. It totally is what it, it actually means to perceive this reality and, and feel so, safe in that supernatural, unseen, not worldly viewpoint. Yeah, because what one thing we do have when we look at our and I'll take the the David of say four years ago, he was very comfortable viewing everything from a logic perspective. He yes. was very comfortable <laughs> applying a right or wrong. Yeah. Right? If you had asked him, does he feel safe? 100%. I feel safe. I'll create my own safety. But then that person re- lacked vulnerability. And so when that stepped in, I realized exactly how much that comfort was actually costing. Yeah. Yeah that logic was actually costing. Mm-hmm. And so, they, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that you're at least curious about all of these things. So well done. <laughs> um, I'd say you're on the right path, but we're not saying there's a right or wrong in this one. So I'll say you're on <laughs> the path. <laughs> you're here. If you're here, then you're meant to be here. Yeah. So. And it's it, it's at what cost yeah. ultimately? Yes. And it's I still feel the longer we go on, I really like my analogy. What are we fighting for versus what we're fighting with? I don't have to be right. I just kind of feel that I am. <laughs> I love that. I, something else that comes to me, and, and the other thing as well, just like in this, whatever your spiritual frame of reference is, whatever religion mm. you follow, there's space here in this conversation for that. Regardless of whether you believe the the facts of the Bible to be right or wrong, Mm. there are lessons and wisdom to be taken from that. And something that really strikes me is that every single thing God asked, well, not every single thing, but a lot of the things that God asked people to do in the Bible was completely unreasonable. Like Noah, build me a boat, but it hasn't rained, build me a boat. And if, if Noah was going off logic and reasoning, he wouldn't have built the boat. So there was something in the unseen and the unknown that he put his faith into that he built a boat and then the flood happened. Mm. Um, that There was Abraham and Sarah. I know you're 90, but you're going to have a baby. And that baby is going to be a really important part of this his, the history. Wow. And logic and reasoning says they're 90, they can't have a baby, but they had a baby. Mm. And then there's um, another one was Joshua gather the whole army, march around the walls of Jericho, blow your trumpets, (laughs) and then let out a shout and the walls are going to come down. Like logic and reasoning says that can't happen. Yeah. yeah. So, And and even if you take it into a spiritual version where you're sort of like, okay, I feel my intuitions telling me something. Yes. And then I I quickly shut it down. And let's just assume you're watching this and you got zero, uh, you don't resonate with anything to do with spirituality, religion or anything, but you're curious. Well, you've got a gut feeling. Right? Exactly. You, you exactly. trust yourself. And guess what? Your gut will probably go, okay, um, the gut tells me I should do something. And then it turns itself upside down because then you start thinking of all the reasons why you're going to fail. Yeah, absolutely. But just, and just remember that thought was yours. Yes. And an example in my own life, when I felt this prompting to 
leave a career that I'd had for 12 years. I did 10 years of uni to have that career. It was stable. I was on a salary. It was one of the best superannuation schemes in our entire country. Mm. It was an amazing career per se. Sounds very comfortable. And yeah. And then I got prompted, called out of that to work Mm. with people to help them to transcend their trauma and to do this work that I'm doing now. Mm. Every voice of reason in my life said, oh, that's a terrible idea. Why would you do that? Why would you give up the stability of a six-figure job in all of this? Why would you do that? Mm. You've done 10 years of uni for that. Why would you walk away from that? You know nothing about running a business. Why would you do that? And so there was, I can tell you countless times in my life when I have had to put faith in the prompting Mm. even when the evidence in front of me didn't match the prompting Hmm. and it's always worked out and that's part of it like if everybody would or anybody would go and back a sure thing like if you knew that you were going to go where you are now to the person that you absolutely wanted to be in six months time but you had to feel a bit crap or more crap and go through X, Y, and Z. But you knew guaranteed if you went left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot for 10,000 steps, for argument's sake, but you're going to get blisters on your feet and this is going to happen and you might lose some people, but new people are coming in. Yeah. Guaranteed everyone's going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like that's that's the cruelty of this, of, of this existence or this journey. Yeah. But it's also the magic in it because it's sort of like, well, I mean, who watches? Who like? Who enjoys always watching movies that they always know the ending? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's all about experience, not necessarily about entertainment. I mean, that does come into it, but it's about the experience. It's about the journey. It's about learning to trust. It's learning to basically take logic and turn it around and sort of go. Logic has a place, but it's not the whole sum of the equation yes. which is what we've been taught for a very long time it makes up a lot less it's like sort of going you you buy a new car and you jump in and you're so excited because it's got sat nav or you got a you got your iphone or your android and you pull up maps and it's really good because you want to get from where you are to where you want to go mm-hmm. and you go and do it and then suddenly it starts telling you where to go next whoa okay is it helping me from here to there or is it now telling me where to, where to go? Yeah. Yeah, isn't it huge? Um, I had an experience once. This was so crazy. I'm a very visual person. So quite a lot of time if I'm in a real state of presence and feeling really connected in a meditative kind of state, often it happens in prayer or just when I'm having my quiet time, sometimes even when I'm in worship. I have these really, really visceral visions. And I didn't even know that I was trying to process something this one time and I closed my eyes and I I must have set an intention to do this. And my mind took me on this little bit of a journey. It took me into a shop and it wasn't just a normal shop. It was like a little um, convenience store, but the shop sold all the fruits of the spirit. It was like peace, love, joy, all the things we spoke about. So they were all for sale in the shop. And I walk in and I say, oh, I want to buy peace. How much is that going to cost me? (laughs) Thinking that we're in a worldly shop where Mm. I get to buy these things that I want with my worldly currency. Mm -hmm. The thing is, when I die and I'm no longer part of this physical reality, my money currency means nothing. I can't buy things with my money currency. Mm -hmm. And it really quickly occurred to me that I wasn't in a shop in the natural. I was in a shop in the spiritual realm. And so I'm in this shop and I say, I want to buy a piece. How much is it? And I got, it's just going to cost you that. And the that that it was, was resentment that I was holding towards someone in my life. And he said, you can have that peace, but you need to give me that resentment. 
And I was like, what? And it was so interesting to observe in real time this visceral reaction that I had in my body to want to fight to keep the resentment because he deserved it. Mm. And so this, again, was this representation for me that the peace is available. It's already there. What are the things I have to be willing to give up in order to have it? Because that's what it's going to cost me. It was epic and it rocked me, like it shook me a little bit. (laughs) Mm. And that's that's what we're talking about, that when you – it's all available to you. And again, a lot of people, I don't think I've come across anyone who actually enjoys being in a really crap situation. They're not actively, they're not actively going, I want to be here. I'm really happy in this really miserable state. Mm. And yet they're in agreement with it because they continue to allow it and choose it. Well, because it's, it's a programming. Yeah, right? it's, it's sort of like when when you sort of when you're raised by by parents who are raised by parents who are raised by parents. That's sort of like be thankful for what you've got, deal with it. This is life. Harden up. Stop worrying about that. You know what? If you think that was bad back in my day, yeah, it was it was this right. So it's not it's yeah. not necessarily they're in agreement with it, even though they. I'll say when you say at in, a spiritual in, in, level, they're in at a spiritual. Yeah, that's what I mean, because yeah. they they don't believe there's anything else, right? Um, because that's the way that they were they were raised, and so it's about sort of going, okay, I I can create this peace, but peace doesn't mean it's something external; it's internal, regardless of what's happening externally. But both of them require work. Both of them require action. Both of them have their ups and downs. Yeah. It's just, are you sitting stagnant in that energy yeah. or are you moving forward? Or are you fighting with it, right, backwards and forwards? Or are you fighting for it, which is, protect, like, as you said, that protect and defend? Yeah. And so um, you'll always be fighting with something. Yeah. That's just going to be part of it. It's how you relate to it. And, you know, to give you an example, we spoke about earlier, imagine you're in the most peaceful mindset you've ever had and someone walks up and interrupts you. How do you feel? Like if you're listening to this, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? It's like, oh, if it's one of those things like, how dare they? Okay, oh, all right. Well, that's because you feel as though they've taken something away from you. Now imagine, because when you spoke when you spoke about it before, if someone interrupts me, it could be the best opportunity in my life that just happened. Yeah. It could be the love of my life. It could be a mentor. It could be someone that you know is is there for, for me to help. It could be any one of these opportunities that have come up because I can always come back to my peace. Because a, a moment, a second can last an eternity when you're in that when you're in that sort of that moment. You don't need to be doing it as a countdown of like, you know, four hours to feel the full effects of peace. It could be instantaneous. You can have long stretches of it. So you sort of think to yourself, okay, for this one, one example, if someone's interrupted your peace and you've got a real problem with it, then what you're fighting with is the fact that people have the ability to take something away from you. Yeah, partly. And the other thing that I see in that is actually what you're potentially fighting with is your unwillingness to stand up and say, thank you, but I am having my time or I am, Mm. you know, like it's absolutely often. And this, and I say this because this is what it was for me in my life where Mm. um, I felt injustice because people would take from me but what I was actually feeling was resentment towards myself for not being able to say no and not allowing Mm. them to and so that peace was mine but if I were protecting and defending that peace those invitations and interruptions will still come but I now am equipped and empowered to say thank you but no thank you yeah hey I'm choosing that peace Thanks, thanks for thanks for coming, but in the future, could you maybe ring or you know, if I <laughs> I've got my eyes closed, sitting on a 
yoga mat with my legs crossed and my hands in a certain position, wait until I'm done. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think not only that, for me, it's about how would I feel on the other side of that? Because if I allow them to come and interrupt that piece, on the other side of that, do I feel positive? Do I feel grateful? Has it been life-giving? In that case, like you said, it could be the love of your life. It could be a friend who's just popped in for... That you haven't seen in <laughs> like seen you know, for, forever. In which yeah. case, please do interrupt my moment. It's like it was the that. most amazing experience. Wow. Yeah. But if you get to the end of that and you feel resentful and you feel like you want to blame them and you feel like a victim and you feel like they took that from you, they actually haven't. You willingly gave it. The mm. second you didn't stand up and set a boundary or say something, you willingly gave your piece away. You said, here, you can have it. Mm. And you're angry at yourself for giving it away. And yeah. so do some people try and force it out of you and take it from you and try and forcefully do that? Absolutely, they do. I'm not for a second saying that doesn't happen. But oh, especially if they at, don't understand it. Yeah, yes. I'll, you need I'll, to, I'll try and stop you from doing it. 100%. And you need to look at the areas in your life where you are willingly giving away your peace, giving mm. away the love that you have for yourself, the honour you have for yourself, the standards you have for yourself. Where do you willingly give those away? Because what you're fighting for instead is to be accepted, to be validated, to be good enough, to be all these mm. things. The second you give something of yours away, a value, like your peace, like your self-worth, like your time, your anything, the second you willingly give it away because people aren't taking it from you unless you consent to it, Mm -hmm. the second you willingly give that away, you're fighting for something else. Yeah. And I would also say don't be too hard on yourself if if you are because if, if you find like the first thing is awareness, right? Life's life's really difficult. I'm waiting for peace, right? That's where people mm-hmm. start. Then they start to think, well, once that happens, that happens, that happens, and they're pointing outside and all around. Once all that happens, I'll be able to find my, my, my peace, right? Yeah. Therefore, you're not accountable or you have no, you don't have enough power to change it. Okay, then you move into, from there into, actually, I can do something about it. And normally... Well, I'm guessing it, it comes from, and from my own experience, it comes from you stuff it up and then you kick yourself in the butt over it, right? Yeah. Oh, just give away my piece. You know what I should have done? You know what I was going, oh, you know what I should have done? You know what I'm going to do next time, right? Then that sort of kicks in. So you're kind of observing yourself. Self-shaming. And, and then, but it's still part of the journey, right? You've got to sort of build up your confidence. You don't just go from, you know, a quick train into the into the ring with Mike Tyson. You got to go up through the lightweights and the medium weights, and then, you know, um, and then you get to a point where you go through all of that, and then suddenly it happens. Now you might not do it in the in the most eloquent way, and you might be shaking inside because it's the first time you've ever done it, but then you've done it, and then you get better at it. So. It's still one of those things that if you if you are stuffing it up, yeah, know that you are giving it away. But if you can observe that and then plan for how you feel, or sorry, not plan, but if you could observe it and if you could see how you feel, what came up, and then know what you could do better next time, that's still progress. Yes. And that so that's where a mistake turns into a lesson. Mm. So this is a debrief process. You need to be able to look back over. And, and when I'm working with clients, when I'm working with couples, what we do is we look at the problems in their life because that's where we can learn. So if this is what happened and this is how you felt as a result of what happened, how can we unpack that to understand, well, this happened this way because I didn't say that or I said this or I allowed that. Okay, and that was the outcome of that. If we want a different outcome, then we need a different input to that outcome. And so how can we do this differently next time? And so in these situations, if that is coming up, then it's not about blaming or shaming ourselves. It's actually just about self-reflecting and going, okay, 
that didn't go so well. If I try that again Mm. next time, let's have a do-over. If I do that again, how could I do it differently to have a different outcome? Mm. I think that's real. I knew this is going to be juicy. I've loved this chat. Juicy. Yeah, no, it was good. And it it was really good to know at the top of the show, I was right at the end of the show. I'm also right. It's just, it's just great. And for all of those that this is the first time you've come across me, I am joking, but uh, I like to use sarcasm in some of our episodes. But yeah, it's, um, it's been a great one. And I think at the end of the show, let me just see if I can sum this up correctly. Right? When for Ashley Morland, protect and defend. I'm going to say because I'm, I'm trying to relate what I said to yours to see if we can, if we've got some connection there protect and defend is what you're fighting for in 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 my words and what you're dealing with or what you're fighting with is what you're you're fighting or am i still am i, I still think out? so i'm pretty sure okay. i follow yeah because yeah from a spiritual perspective for me it's fighting from fighting, fighting from, from. Place okay. of All the right. thing that we've already got Great. Okay. Is is nice. the equivalent to your version of fighting for, mm. but that comes from the place of lack, because if we are fighting for something, we don't already have it, and that feels True. really threatening. True. So, All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Great Love episode, it. Ash. Let us know in the comments. Hit the mm. subscribe button. So many amazing uh, episodes yep. planned coming out. So if you have any ideas, let us know. We want this to be meaningful to you and to make a difference mm-hmm. in your life. So, And look, we're also getting closer to our live episode that will be coming up. We haven't fully decided on which episode it's going to be, but it's it's coming up soon in the next yeah, sort of couple of Yeah, for our couple, anniversary. Couple oh, my gosh. Yes. We're very quickly all, approaching. It's going to be all about what have we learned in the first year-ish of doing this podcast slash YouTube channel. So yeah. anyway... Another episode done and dusted, Ash. Awesome. Great to see you guys. Yep. Catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.